Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 180 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, and I'm here with the lovely Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Well, hello. That was a great introduction. Thank you, Sarah. 180. I want to hang out with you more often. (laughs) No, no, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. We hang out a lot virtually on the old podcast, Mike. 180. That feels like a lot. It's a lot. Every few episodes, it's like, whoa, that number feels big. It's like halfway around. Yes, maybe that's why. It feels like a significant number. We did a complete 180. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about this topic. We are talking today about kids and appointments of all kinds, but mostly probably we're going to focus a lot on medical, dental, healthcare appointments and all of the things that those are fraught with. I don't yes, know. like fear and uh, I don't know, fear, crying, yeah. crying, bribing, some apprehension, sometimes some bribing, a I, class A bribes that go I'm on. I'm not against a well-timed bribe Mm-mm. when it comes to surviving something like this. No, yeah. ma'am, including we're also going to talk about little things like um, some of these appointments aren't necessarily fear filled, but like haircuts and even yeah. just getting your teeth cleaned. They don't hurt terribly much, but they still require kids to sit still and kids can kind of freak out about those. Well, uh, and as they get older, they have opinions. Right. Yes. Yeah. I want to talk yes. about that. I want to make sure we talk about that too, because there's a certain amount of like what's negotiable and what's not. And obviously if it's a medical procedure that's not negotiable, then the conversation is more about how do you get through that? But if it's like a haircut that becomes a, a battle of wills over, you know, when to get one, that's a totally different, totally yeah. different thing. Totally different. I'm eager to hear, I'm going to pick your brain quite a bit because you have four teen boys which I imagine sending oh them. Well, one of them is not a teen yet. Let's not. Okay. Let's not jump and one is 21 almost. So I, I sort of. So one of them's older than a, tw- a teen and yeah. the other one has still like a month to go. Okay. I want to like have Owen be older than he already is because it's breaking forever. my heart. Oh, yeah. 12. Well, what I meant was you have four young men yes. and that is like a whole different 
thing. To, you yeah, don't even totally take them is. to the doctor anymore. You send them probably. Right. I mean, yeah, except well, for maybe the younger. Oh, and I still take, but yeah. everybody else is pretty much on their own. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So it's going to be get dropped off at the door or I'll come in and sit in the lobby, but it's not the same experience it's not as the it once same. was. Um, yeah. So I was thinking about this and it is, I think the reason it's such a fraught topic is because it combines like a really vulnerable state of being, which is like mm-hmm. seeing your kids in distress and maybe having to make a decision about their health. And there's a whole bunch of psychology that comes with that, but it combines it with very public parenting. Like you are in the waiting room and, or the exam room and you're parenting in front of someone that you might feel intimidated by. If they're a position of authority, a a doctor, a physician, but it's just, you're doing it in front of other people and it involves lots of crying and bribing. And it's like, that's why this is very very fraught. It is. And I will say also, I think that healthcare prof- professionals are amazing people. Yeah. And it's, you know, I have so much respect for that. But I, the experience you're going to get walking into a medical office could be wildly different yep. depending on who's staffing yep. that office. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, a lot of doctors and nurses and not just those people, but like the receptionists and mm-hmm. the medical assistants and the people who, you know, weigh the kids and start the appointment. Some can be so amazing and understanding and like just awesome about the fact that kids are scared and yeah. some just aren't. Some aren't. I'm, I am <laughs> continually surprised at, uh, like, yes, like you said, so many are, but there's a good number who are not. And that's discouraging when you it are. Is. And you can feel really judged because there's yeah. almost this attitude like, well, other kids just deal with it. So right. why isn't yours? And right. I don't like that. Oh, well, you read. Okay, so we have to give a shout out. This um, whole episode was inspired by an email from Rachel. Rachel's a longtime listener. She lives in Georgia. Um, but I, I wrote back to her and I said, you know, it's rare that we get a listener question that really we can take almost exactly as written and make it into an entire episode. Usually yeah. we, you know, we answer it in a listener questions episode or we might like use it as inspiration and then spin off. But when I got this email from Rachel, I was like, yep, that's an entire episode. Yep. So will you read it? Agreed. Sure. Okay. So Rachel says, I think it would be great to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly from y'all's experience. I had to say y'all because mm-hmm. she's from Georgia. Uh, and she wrote that. Yes. Experiences with all kinds of appointments, doctor, dentist, haircut, etc. I'm wondering how you've handled different kids' reactions to set appointments. I have one child that has to be held down for shots and one that doesn't cry at all. One of my kids refused to open his mouth to the dentist, <laughs> leaving me feeling like a big failure. Don't worry. I got over it. <laughs> How did you help prepare the kids ahead of time? Bribes? Straight jacket? How do you recover and refocus you and the kids after a semi-traumatic appointment experience? I mean, that's so good, yeah. right? Like that's mm-hmm. everything, everything we're going to talk it's about. all of it. Yep. Today. Um, we have a lot to go cover and we're going to get into our first sponsor in just a second, but it helped me to think of these appointments in kind of different categories. So I'll just go through them real quick. We're definitely going to talk about shots and needles, and that includes things like a blood draw or an IV, anything like that. I mean, that's kind of the classic trauma. We're also going to talk about things like x-rays, teeth cleaning, haircuts. These are things where like, like I said, they're not particularly painful, but they require a certain amount of like restraint and being restrained Mm -hmm. and the younger your kids are or the more fearful it can still be kind of traumatic um and then i put there's also like this whole category of like if you have to go to the emergency room or urgent care or even like a specialist if you're not able to prep the kid at all and you don't know the provider or you don't know what to expect yourself that's like a whole different thing because we're going to talk a lot about how we prepare the kids or you know bringing a bribe all that and sometimes you just can't so that's i think an interesting thing and then of course all in and around this is like regular checkups and screening. So um, that's not necessarily like the order we're going to go in, but those are the types of things we're talking about today. Did I forget any, Megan, do you think? Um, no, I think that's... I think, that, I think most of them fall under 
those categories. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, okay. But I have a big picture question for you. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. So you already have a couple of young adults, but when your yeah. kids are all grown, like what, h- how do you want them to think about and what kind of outlook do you want them to have about healthcare and, you know, going to doctor's appointments, making doctor's appointments? Like for you, what is like the ultimate long-term goal here? How do you hope they'll think about these things in the future? Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's two things. One is something I'm already really pretty good at. And mm-hmm. one is something I'm not very good at. So I'm hoping that they get a combination of those two things. Okay. Um, one thing I think I'm really good at is paying attention to what's actually happening in my actual body. And mm-hmm. like knowing like kind of a, a combination of, of just being in tune to how I usually feel mm-hmm. and when something's off mm-hmm. and the intuition to know that something warrants rather than just like, well, I already got that checkup, you know, three years ago and I'm not due for another pap or whatever it is. Right. And like, so I don't, I'm just going by the book. I think I'm pretty good about just really being in tune. You are super intuitive that way. Yeah. And I, and I also pay attention to how I feel. Like Mm -hmm. if I have a twinge, I know it. If Mm -hmm. I, if something doesn't feel right, I'm, I just know, I just check in with myself a lot. So that's a good thing. And I hope that's something that they take with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Something I'm terrible about is like letting things like making a simple call get in the way of scheduling an appointment. And then you start to layer on all kinds of really bad flawed logic mm-hmm. with that. Like, well, I already missed it this month. So, you know, maybe I'll wait until it, and then do it this other time. Yeah. So I think for me, the routine stuff, which was not as important when I was 25, but mm-hmm. is becoming more and more important as I yeah. get older, that stuff I'm not as good about. I'm trying to get better. I am mm-hmm. getting better. But it just, it's not something I'm always super on the ball about. So I would like them to have a perfect combination of both. Yeah, of like body intuition, but also sort of proactive. Yeah, and not freaking out about stuff. I don't want, you know, I don't want them to be scared of their bodies or like see themselves as a ticking time bomb or be super anxious about it. I just kind of want them to know, you know, in kind of a chill way, like, oh, this needs, this requires attention. I know I've had bouts of like, you know, times in my life when I've been, too, like where I've tipped off the other direction and been too in tune and too freaked out about stuff. Yeah. And almost never has it actually been the thing that I thought it was, yeah. you know, so I see how it can go that way. So I kind of want them to just have that, that middle ground. Yeah. I love that. I love everything you said. And I, I mean, I actually have some real anxiety about that kind of thing. Like I, I can be in tune, but then I take it the next step and like right. worry about stuff, both with myself and my kids. So I'm very aware that that's my tendency. Interestingly, that makes me very proactive about keeping and making doctor's appointments. Cause I right. usually feel better if I'm having regular checkups. Yeah. And can, for you, like, it's like a relief, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. It's like seeking reassurance. And I'm not to the point where I just like go to the doctor all the time, but I am really good about regular dentist appointments, regular physicals, regular well woman exams. And I'm really good about my kids' regular um, appointments too. But I guess what I want them to have is like, I want them to be able to balance the trust in outside expert sources um, without attaching like the ultimate, um, you know, taking one professional's opinion as gospel. Yes. I think that's really hard. I I really look to authority for reassurance on a lot of things. Like I, I like authority, but I think that has led me down a path of attaching too much importance into what one doctor or one professional said, and then discounting that what you were talking about, like the personal intuition about when something is off. And there's so many different types of professionals. Like you can go more naturopathic, you can go yeah. more mainstream. And I think because I think for me, that's been hard to figure out. And I hope that my kids have just f- are able to find providers they trust, but then balance that trust with their own 
like their own gut feeling. Yeah. Um, and then, I, yeah, I mean, I, I really am. I, I'm hopeful that we're showing example of proactive healthcare things like eating well, nutrition, exercise right. as like, it's not like to avoid dying. It's like, this is right. our, bo- our bodies are important and right. we're doing all kinds of things to take care of them. And that's everything from getting a flu shot. If you get flu shots to getting your teeth cleaned, that it's not like a bad thing or it's not right. something to worry about. It's just a, it's a, the way we take care of ourselves. I, it's funny that you said that. Cause I am the opposite. I, and I know at least one of my kids and I could see probably two going down this path where I've sometimes created more work for myself by not trusting any authority ever and then wanting to question everything. And that's great to a certain extent, but then it kind of can take you down this path where like you're searching, searching, searching all the time for like the better way. It's kind of like, um, it's like the episode we did on school choice. Yes. And how I was obsessed when my kids were little with finding like the perfect school for them. Mm To the point where, because I didn't ever like really get behind any one of any one philosophy, I could Mm -hmm. never really get fully on board. And so I did all this bouncing around and it's fine. It just made a bunch of work for myself. And I think the, I think the funny thing is you could, there's so many places, there's so many ways to have, to be healthy in the middle somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) And like, and yeah, it, no, I was going to say, and it is good. I mean, if you're, we're talking about more where my extreme is, it is good to find a trusted provider. And then it's sort of a relief just to be like, okay, this is the person or the system that I trust. And I'm going to let go of the need to like research it all myself. So I think there's, yeah. Yeah, there's pros and cons. Yeah. And I, and I'm not great, you know, and I think as long as I'm not great with appointments, I know a lot of moms listening right now are probably like, oh my gosh, like I'm always like two months behind. I feel like I was always like, at least two to six months behind on every single schedule I was supposed to be on with my kids. But it's also important to remember that those things are guidelines. They're there not just for us. They're not there because if your kid doesn't get to the doctor on that day, they're doomed. They're there because there's a huge medical system that doesn't have anything to do with you or your kid that keeps checks and balances. It keeps things moving along. That keeps, make sure that they're on some kind of schedule. Yeah. But like things are not going to fall apart if your kid gets sick and then you forget to make their next appointment for two months. It's just not like, for the most part, most of the time, someplace there's a healthy middle and yeah. most of us are in that healthy yeah. middle. And unless you have a kid who's like at one end of the spectrum or the other, for whatever health reason, um, you're probably going to be okay. Yes. You're definitely going to be okay. And you're not the <laughs> yeah. only one. I mean, exactly. I, I totally agree. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. All right, Megan, we're going to continue with this discussion of appointments. I was wondering, do you have a particularly funny or awful story involving a kid and an appointment? I know you do. Sarah, I have a million. <laughs> okay. Starting back when I was five years old. So I, I am the origin yes, story Yes, you are here. the kid in this. Um, refusing to participate in a fluoride treatment that <laughs> happened in my kindergarten class. They had the dental <gasps> hygienist come in. And they told us that if we swallowed it, we would get sick and I would not even open my mouth. Why would they tell us that? Right. Like, don't swallow it is one thing, but you know, if you swallow, you're going to get sick is the other. And then I remember very clearly having being, having to be held down by like three nurses for a blood draw when I was seven. And I mean, I'm sure there was, my kids have a million. I I had to hold, or I don't remember if I had to hold kids or if they had to be held. I had kids run and scream. I had kids hide. Yeah. I remember being in, a, in an office where I didn't think one of my kids would have to get a shot. I think it was Will. I didn't know he had to have a shot that day. So I had the two younger ones with me. Uh-huh. And he did. Yeah. And I had two little kids that I'm trying that are now they're terrified and traumatized. Yes. And I'm trying to deal with it. So yes, a lot. And I think what I love about the fact that I can remember my two stories so clearly is that what I remember about that was the absolute belief that something terrible was going to happen Mm -hmm. to me. And I think it makes me so much more um, empathetic towards my kids now. Like I, to me, like the idea that I might die if I swallowed that fluoride or the idea that the needle, it wasn't even like I was picturing in my head a needle poke and how that might feel. I was picturing nothing in my head. It was like disaster. Yeah. I was going to explode. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even a feeling like, Oh, I'm going to feel pain. It was like anything, literally anything could happen. Um, and actually at the very end of this episode, we have a little clip that from Clara when she was about three or four and had just had a bunch of shots and she sang a little song about her doctor appointment. Oh my gosh. It's so cute. And it's so funny. It like, if you really listen to the words, it sounds like just gobbledygook if you listen casually, but if you really listen to it, She's talking about hiding under a table and me dragging her out, but she's just singing it. Yeah, she's replaying it, which is actually something preschoolers totally do is they kind of use like play after the fact to process whatever just happened. She's processing in a super cute way her doctor appointment and how much it hooded. Um, But, you know, but the thing is, I guess, and I'll let you tell your stories. I'm sure you have a whole bunch. Um, 
the thing is you get through it, right? You do get through it. And what I love about yours also is you did not grow up to have a paralyzing fear of everything always. I mean, we all kind of come with our baggage about how we feel about health and medical stuff. And a lot of us have some kind of anxiety about that. But those experiences did not scar you for life in the way that no. I think sometimes they can. we are afraid that like each interaction with our toddler or our preschooler is going to set them up for a lifetime of, you know, mistrust or, you know, attachment issues or whatever. Yeah. So, well, you know, you know what I like it to, I like it to getting stung by a bee. Mm -hmm. Like I, if I walked out right. Okay. So if I knew that I was going to leave the house right now and be stung by a bee, I would be flipping out mm -hmm. like the entire time, because I would know at some point a bee is going to come up and sting me. And I don't really remember how it feels. Like I remember how it feels, but I don't yeah. really remember. And what if this bee hurts more than the last one yeah. or whatever? And then if I did get stung by a bee, I would be like, oh my gosh, ow. And then it would just be over. Yeah. Yeah. And life goes on. But it's that unknowing. It's that feeling of like the surprise element, no matter yeah. how much you watch the needle go in, there's still the surprise element. Yeah. And I, that never, for me, has never gone away. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I think we get better at, you know, handling it. But the other thing I think about kids is we we're so averse to having our seeing our kids upset yes. that I think sometimes we actually are not helpful we'll either we'll either lie like oh it doesn't hurt yeah. at all or we'll like over prepare them or like so I think if we can get comfortable with the fact that it's okay for kids to go through hard experiences and it's not our job to make it like perfect then I think we can actually be more helpful to our kids yes, in the moment agreed. um so I I was racking my brain to think if I had a funny story um I have several traumatic stories in fact one of them I told in detail in our mom fail episode yes um so you go listen to that one if you um want to but um the one that just is kind of funny to me is last year so I do get my kids flu shots in the fall and last year I took all three and we go to our pediatrician, but it's like a quickie appointment. You make the appointment, you just see the assistant in and out. And so last fall, they would have been four, seven and nine. And they all know the drill. The only twist was that Violet had had most of her four year boost her shots at her four year well check. But there were two left that she didn't get and they didn't want to do them all at four. So I said, well, we'll just do them when we come back for the flu shot. So I had three kids with me who were each getting one flu shot plus two more shots for Violet. And it was like all out. It was like Armageddon. It was like because my <laughs> oldest is the most afraid of needles. And, and yeah. this is I think the reason why this is so funny in my mind is I was a seasoned mom by this point. Right. I had the bribes with me. I wasn't really worried about it. They're all a little bit older. And it was like they all three reacted differently than I thought. My oldest is really, really afraid of needles. So she's almost acting like what you would think the youngest would act like. And we finally get to Violet and we get through the flu shot. And then I'm like, and also you have two more coming. So it was right. like five. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was it was extra. So this extra. year, hmm. this year, we just had the three flu shots and they actually, for the most part, did pretty well. So I, I couldn't well, think good. of like a truly funny story, but I have so many, so many stories. We have actually managed to turn a lot of the traumatic stories into funny stories in my family. Yeah. Which is sometimes nice. We yeah. can look back at it and all laugh at the yeah. time that the kid ran and hit or whatever. Right. Or remember that time? I mean, you know, it, because it, it's not funny while it's happening. But kids get, as they get older, they're able to look back at stuff and see the humor in it, which is nice. Yeah, and, and I think, like, Allegra is very upfront about the fact that she has a pretty legit needle fear. So yeah. she's, like, not embarrassed about it. She knows, like, she needs extra time. She needs extra, you know, just mental. She needs to be in her game mentally yes. um, to yep. get a shot. And the younger ones don't. I mean, they don't like it, but they, they're not like her. 
Um, so I think we should spend some time talking about this idea of how and how much to prep kids for an appointment that you know is going to be maybe traumatic. So we're talking yeah. about shots or it might just be a regular doctor's appointment if your kid is afraid. Um, and maybe we can just both go through how and how much we like to prep our kids. Do you want to go first or do you yeah. want me to go first? Well, for me, it all, I mean, it completely depends on the kid for okay. me and the situation. So like, I remember when it comes to things like getting a shot um, where I know what's going to happen. Yes. Like I, like I know how that's going to go down. Right. Mm-hmm. There's been kids of mine who it's kind of not, it's not the least said the better. You can say you have a doctor's appointment on Tuesday and you're going to get shots and that's about it. Like, yeah. and that's probably all you need to say. And then, and there are kids who sometimes even that level of detail just gives them so much to obsess about. Yeah. And then there's kids who they need kind of to know exactly what's going to happen. And some of that you just learn as you, yeah. as they get older and you get to know them better in that way. But like, I've got like, Claire is the kind of kid who will perseverate on something and mm-hmm. think it through over and over and all the possibilities. And she'll want me to do the thing where like, pinch me and show me how hard it's going to hurt. Oh. And that's not representative of a shot. Yeah. You, there's no way I can pinch her. She's trying <laughs> to like, it. she's trying to control the situation by exactly. like having, being prepared for every. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's things that sometimes that just doesn't work. Um, Owen, on the other hand, started preparing for his 11 year old boosters from literally the, the moment we walked out of his five-year-old shots. That's so funny. Cause that's Allegra. She's 10 and a half. And she's yeah. like, mom, I'd like you to, she's already thinking about it. I'm not, maybe yes. not since she was five, but she's known since she was five that she didn't need another one till 11. And the funny thing is she gets a flu shot every year. It's not that right, <laughs> but it's just a different set yeah. of shots. And, yeah. and as I remember, as we were leaving the doctor's office, Owen saying, when do I have to do that again? And yeah. I said, well, I said, not, not for six years. And it, at the time I'm like, that's a, lifetime away yeah he'll have forgotten all about it by then but he never forgot and he would bring it up moment you know every now and then (laughs) and ask me about it um he also would have he was the kid who had um probably the most er visits out of any of my kids okay and he would he would his lungs would like his colds would always go to his oh i remember that yeah yeah so he would often have to just go in for breathing treatments it wasn't like terribly scary but there would come a point especially if it was like on a friday and i knew we weren't going to get to the doctor in time and I'd be watching him slowly go south. You need the albuterol. Like, yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, okay, Owen, I'm pretty sure at some point this weekend, we're probably going to have to take you to the ER because urgent care is closed. And he would at first kind of like cry and freak out. And then it would become kind of like he would resign himself to yeah. it. So I just, those are just two examples of kids who have completely different. Yeah. Whereas William was always just stoic and resolved about yeah. everything. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'm a big fan of prepping my kids. I don't do the thing where I surprise them because I know they're going to freak out. And I know some moms do that and just say, surprise, we're at the doctor. It's shot day. Um, that has never felt right to me. However, I don't over prep them with details unless the situation warrants it. So, and I also try not to do it super far in advance. So for something like shots, I would probably do a couple days in advance. Um, it depends on the kid. And I mean, most kids aren't thinking two weeks ahead anyway. Right. Um, with things like shots, and we'll get into bribes a little later on, but I'm all about having something to celebrate or a little treat to look forward to afterwards. So like this year, I took orders for like their favorite drugstore candy, and I went and got it. So I told them a couple days in advance. Um, but the other thing about prepping is I don't think you necessarily need to go through all of the details unless the kid is interested. And even if they are interested, like you said with Clara, sometimes they're asking, they're doing that reassurance seeking where it's not 
it's not really even helpful. Like they just, yes. they want to keep asking questions because it feels like it's soothing their anxiety, but I don't think it really is. So I no, think it's you can, sometimes it's, it's ramping it up. Exactly. So I think you can yeah. almost like set a boundary and be like, yep, this is happening. I promise that I will be with you. And I promise that we'll take each step one at a time. I think what kids want to know is that nothing's going to jump out at them, that you're going to check in with them at every step of the way. Like now the nurse is going to come in. Now this is going to happen, but that doesn't need to happen 14 days in advance. Right. Um, it needs to happen in the office so they don't feel sideswiped or whatever. Right. But I think I, so I try and keep it simple. I think yeah. with prepping, I, I looked up a couple of articles on this and I'm going to link them up in the show notes. There are some really, really good ones, especially if your kid is going to go through maybe a procedure that is a little more involved, a blood draw or something, you know, an IV. Um, I think that's a situation where it is helpful to kind of um, see see what that kid is ready for in terms of prep. But I probably would prep a kid a little bit more for something like that than a quick yeah. flu shot. Um, and there's some really good suggestions in there about, you know, pretend play and like even picture books, storybooks that you can order that go through that. Um, the other thing about prepping is a lot of times what kids want to know is not necessarily what we think to tell them. Mm. So for mm. example, if you're going to like a regular well check, there's like, we know the drill. You, you wait in the waiting room, then you get called back in the exam room, then you get your vitals taken, then you might see the doctor. And at least for us, the shots usually happen at the very, very end. Um, I think if we forget to tell kids that they're, they now think like the moment you walk in the door, somebody's going to be brandishing a needle and that's not necessarily. Yeah. So sometimes right? prepping, like, sometimes <laughs> yeah, here I am. <laughs> sometimes prepping is not so much about how much it's going to hurt or it's yeah. more like, here's what you can expect. We're going to go and we're sitting in the waiting room and then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And so that they kind of see how the whole visit is going to go. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything else on prepping no i mean well we're going to talk about like actually like the the moment of truth right yeah the moment of truth yeah. this is all about like how much you talk about it <laughs> yeah beforehand yeah. no that's that, you know i i think for me it's been based on the kid telling him what they need to know not going into too much detail i've i've made i've aired both ways yeah um and i do think that middle ground yeah has always worked the um, best the other thing is if a kid has had a traumatic experience last time it can lead to a lot more anxiety the next time. And in particular, when kids have a better memory after they're four or five years old, they can remember the last time that they got a shot. Um, but I think it's helpful to remind kids that not, not every time is the same, not every experience yes. is the same. And we all kind of grow in and out of our fears. So sometimes what they're afraid of is actually the fear that they remember last time and yes. not the thing itself. So I think it's helpful, especially with you know, middle grade and older kids to remind them that you, you know, you've come a long way. Like you, you're a different kid than you were six months or 12 months ago. Um, and we have new strategies and new, new tools now to deal with this. So it, it is not likely to be a repeat of last time because we have new information. Um, yeah. And, so. and keep in mind that kids, you know, the, the old adage, get right back up on the horse makes a lot of sense. It doesn't always work in this situation because you can't just schedule a a, a shot just because right. your kid needs yes. to experience another shot right away. But maybe there's a way to expose them to that environment again yeah. quickly because things build in their heads yeah. and it's not logical. And you know that something that you thought hurt, like that really hurt a little bit, but then if you have enough time to kind yeah. of think about it and yeah. build it up in your head, becomes like this whole other thing. Yeah. And I think helping them verbalize, like last time you were really scared, it wasn't fun. We got through it. And 
and you realize that it was okay. And now it's, we're going to do that again. It's, you're not looking forward to it, but we will get through it and it will be okay. And kind of reminding them that last time they went through that arc and it really was okay after the end and they got their ice cream cone and you know, whatever. Um, Okay. Well, we should talk about actually getting the deed done and this could apply to getting (laughs) teeth cleaned, getting haircut. This is like, we've decided this thing has to happen. Uh, and now maybe they're still resisting. I mean, this is what Rachel's question was really about. Like, yeah. do you hold them down? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I wrote down a couple tips. I don't know if you have anything to start with or if you want to riff off mine. Well, and here's the thing, too. And I think, again, I just so like the article that you linked to is a great article um, or the two. The one I read was the AHA parenting mm-hmm. one. But I feel like all of those things are so best case scenario. Like yeah. they're all great. <laughs> yeah. They're great tips. <laughs> so true. But like, I mean, just, I'll just kind of rattle them off. Cause I think they're all really sure. useful things to think about. Yeah. Um, having someone else accompany you. That's awesome. If you can take each child one at a time into the room to have a shot or their blood drawn. Right. But that's not always everyone's reality. No. We don't all have another adult who's around or that we would want around yeah. because the last thing you want is your anxious mother-in-law or like someone that you're not comfortable yeah. doing that public parenting around. Yeah. Um, you know, holding your child during the procedure, but not holding them down. Sometimes the line between holding oh, your child yeah. and holding them down is extremely so, yeah. blurry. I want to pause there because that was interesting. I had never thought of the difference. What she says is mom can hold the child in a way that's sort of like, comforting and loving but if they need to be physically restrained it's better for the medical person to do that no I can totally see the logic there and I I can't say I've ever thought of that I've always thought of it as a team effort like me and the nurse are gonna hold you down yeah I I did have to hold my five-year-old down for this last flu shot and there was something about it that felt a little bit yucky and I've held many kids for many shots and so it like you said it's like a very blurry line but I left that one being like "Ah, I didn't really feel good about that like I should have just given her a little more time she's getting older and so ah, it is really hard in the moment but if it helps for you newer moms out there I thought that was an interesting distinction is you can hold the child have the other person hold them down if they have to be well, here, here's the part that I will di- uh, not even dicker with because I don't disagree with what she's saying. Um, but the article reads, um, parents should not hold kids down for medical procedures. It destroys the child's trust I know. in the parent. It's, it's like, and I've done it because yeah, me too. A, I guess I just want to say like, uh, there's a lot of, again, like middle ground or like the spectrum between something a child will never get over and something that's just not ideal. Yes. 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 Yeah. I agree that I've been in positions where I have ended up thinking later, like, ugh, that just didn't feel good. But we do that every day. And our kids, most of the time, you know, they, they see the millions of other ways that we bond and, and come through for them when they need us. Your trust is not going to be destroyed in one permanently. Right. So that's one thing. The other thing I just want to like, I guess, just reassure people or not even reassure, but validate is that when you're in that position and you feel pressure from a nurse or a doctor or whoever's in the room to do something you don't feel good about the parent pretend expert that I'm putting in quotes Mm -hmm. right now in me wants to say, it's fine if you get up and take your kids out of that office because you feel, you know, like you feel so strongly about this. And then the mom in me who just needs to get through a day knows that's probably not what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm probably... I'm kind of a people pleaser. I don't have time to come back later. This thing needs to be done. I feel judged. 
There's all my face is hot. Like yep. there's all these reasons I'm probably going to do what the person in authority who in this situation is the nurse or doctor tells me to yeah. right, wrong or indifferent. That is reality. So yep. we can all go in stealing ourselves that if things go south, we're going to do that thing that we decided we were going to do ahead of time. Right. But there's a very good chance you're not going to. And I just want to let people like, I don't know. It's fine. I guess I just yes. want to like reassure you that it's going to be okay. It's like, totally going to be okay. Yes. And yes. it takes a like having a number of these experiences to kind of steal your backbone in that yeah. way or something. Yeah. Um, another one she does say to give child a child a Tylenol before a shot, it, an hour before a shot, which does work. But again, if you forget and you get into the doctor's office and you're like, shoot, I forgot the Tylenol. I think I did that when they were babies, (laughs) but I think I completely stopped and forgot about doing that after like, after like the toddler shots. I I mean, I didn't even think about it for um, like flu shots. We, I I gave them some before bed that night, but I never thought to prep and I'm such a prepper. Well, and, and in that case, sometimes it's like, here, take this Tylenol child who does it on their own, you know? Yeah. Why? Why do I need this? Um, because you're getting a shot. Oh, well, why would I need a Tylenol before the shot? It's almost like it just opens up more. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) discussion that you yeah. don't necessarily want to have yeah. um i saw the so i'm just like going rattling through this list i yeah. hope this is okay That's sarah great. um the the number four tip is to distract them mm-hmm. and i've used anything from like i've given my kids a sucker while they're getting a shot yep. like why do they have to wait till it's over yep and also there's some science that sugar you know like creates endorphin mm-hmm like an endorphin reaction in your brain. So actually is good. But I just saw a video that was making the rounds on Facebook of this doctor distracting a baby before giving him a shot. Mm-hmm. It is the cutest thing. Oh, we'll have to link to it. I haven't seen and it. And the baby, swear to you, does not flinch. <laughs> but the doctor takes like five minutes and has like, I want to say he had like a little cotton swab. Okay. And was like touching the baby's belly and then his leg and then his other leg and his arm and his other arm and then his forehead and like making funny faces. And when he finally gets around, it takes almost like a painfully long time. Mm-hmm. And you're waiting the and whole you, time. You know like, what's When's happening. He give the baby a shot. But when he does, the baby like doesn't even make a face. It's crazy. That so is amazing. It, it helps in those cases to have a doctor who's cool about that kind of thing yeah. or to be, to maybe try to set the train moving in that direction and like slow things down if you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess I, I don't know. I don't feel like we need to go through all of the rest of these, but I just wanted to, I guess, touch on those. Yeah. I'm glad you did because those were the same points in that article where I was like, "Eh, well, yes, but so we'll link it up. We'll link it up. Um, And I really do think there were some really good practical tips in that article, which is why I liked it. Um, And then you take our yes, but here's how real life works. Um, Exactly. This is actually a great time to take another quick sponsor break. And then we're going to get back into the actual the actual deed of getting through it when they Which don't want still to. hasn't even happened yet we haven't even We're done the deed yet. We're still preparing them. We're just getting closer. <laughs> the needle is coming closer. <laughs> we are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today and Sarah I will be honest I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. 
The Bionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Bionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, we have one more little thing to discuss before we get back into our episode. And that is there's a birthday today and it's not yours or mine. But on the day that this episode comes out is my husband Brian's 40th birthday. And I feel like he is a silent partner of the mom hour. He is not on the show, but he is the biggest supporter of what we do. He is. We've had so many amazing conversations with Brian when he's, when I've been down in California and we've just sat and talked about the business and our ideas. And he's been a really great advisor to us. And so, and so awesome. He is. I want to sing like the rest of the awkward restaurant song that people like happy, happy birthday. Are you wearing a tie and like have a, like a brownie that's on fire a brownie or with a candle in it? Yes. <laughs> Brian, here's your birthday brownie with a candle. But well, his, happy, happy, happy birthday. Yes. And it's his 40th. So it's a big one. And this comes out the day before Halloween, which is always kind of a tough birthday when you have three young kids because the lead up to Halloween is busy and fun and then Halloween comes right on the heels but we're gonna do it up this year we're headed to Vegas right after Halloween and yeah happy happy 40th to Brian yay all right we're still in the we're still in the exam room or the haircut chair or the dentist we might might not even have gotten out of the waiting room yet yeah okay I'm gonna (laughs) say something that might be unpopular I don't know but I think it's helpful for kids to know that something is not negotiable. And so this can happen way earlier in the process when we're talking about prepping kids. If a kid thinks that they are going to whine, cry, run, hide their way out of this, if they think it's a possibility, um, depending on the kid's personality, you could be in for a long battle. You will never get out of there. No, I totally no. agree, Sarah. It's it's for it's for their own good. And I know that and feels it's for like, their health. And there's there's no way to allow them to choose this. And I think I, I think we can be really empathetic and nurturing and loving and patient and empowering of the child and make sure it's abundantly clear to them that they are not leaving 
without yes. having their teeth cleaned or whatever it is. Because the nice thing is once you once they're clear about that, then you have room to, you know, offer choices or negotiate lots of the little steps along the way. Yeah. Would you like to hold this stuffed animal while they clean your teeth? Would you like a five minute break? Would you like to pick your bribe? Like all of those right. things can be up for discussion. I think it's helpful for the child to know that the, <laughs> the thing itself this one's is not. going to happen. Um, yeah. And I honestly have to say like, it has never been an issue with, I've never had any one of my kids think they weren't getting, that they were getting out of there without their shots or whatever it was we went in for. And I don't know if that's just because, and I'm great. I'm, I'm pretty flexible about stuff Yeah, uh, with my kids, generally speaking. Like yeah. I let them have lots of choices. And so I don't know if it was just a certain steeliness with which I said it or the fact that there's another um, authority involved, right? which sometimes can be a helpful way to pass the buck a little yep, bit. Like definitely. the doctor has to do this today. So there's really no getting around it. And then you get to be the good cop, yep. right? So you get to be like the good one, but I'd never have had a feeling like, my kids thought it actually was like an argument on the table. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I think back to like ways to get through it. Um, I think letting, yeah. letting the nurses and assistants know that you have a child who's particularly anxious um, is helpful. Mm -hmm. If you can kind of whisper in their ear, pull them aside or just say it, yeah. just say it right in front of the kid. It's okay to say, you know, last time this was really traumatic. So, you know, what can we do to take our time? And I think a lot of them are, are good about it, especially if they know. But the thing is for the nurse, some kids do better with like, let's not talk about it. Let's not take our time. Let's yeah. just do it and get it over with. And other kids do need more, more time, more breaks. So I guess I just want to yeah. say you're not being needy or high maintenance. If you need to advocate for your kid and just say, you can even say to the front desk, like, I need your best. I need your best medical assistant who knows how to give shots to a kid who's freaking out about needles like help yeah. me help you like let's get this done in the least traumatic way possible so I don't I, I I would say don't hesitate to communicate that to and see what your options are maybe there's someone yeah. who's particularly good at it maybe there's a a special room or a special toy I guarantee they've run into this before well it just actually reminds me of when we got Clara's ears pierced okay um Different, but same. We same. went in. Totally. Should have been on this list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is something she really, really wanted to do. It was just, a, it was on her, um, around her birthday this last, you know, so when she turned nine, um, one of her best little buddies, Sam, that has been her friend since she was a baby, went and it was really cute. We go in and I just said, you know, she started to kind of hem and haw and we went to Claire's, which I'm actually really glad that we did that. We, we considered going to like a jewelry store. We considered going to like a piercing place. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard like a tattoo parlor uh -huh, yeah. kind of piercing place. And I just thought Clara will be freaked out. If we yes. walk in someplace and they pull out a needle and everyone's got tattoos, yes. she's not going to like that at all. And so I was like, Claire's is like her jam. She yeah. gets to pick out some earrings with like rainbows or yeah. dolphins or something on them. And the ones I got her um, to get pierced with were like really pretty little gemstones. And mm -hmm. she loved that. But I just was right in front of her. I just said, we're feeling a little anxious yeah. to the, to the um, piercing people yeah. and then the technician. And then they picked this woman who was fantastic yeah. and just distracted her the whole time. I mean, and when I say we're feeling a little anxious, we literally were all feeling anxious. Yeah. Poor Sam, her buddy Aww. was like so distraught because he was like, Claire is going to get hurt. And he was just really like upset and sad about it. And then she had one done and she was like, Oh, well that wasn't so bad. And right. then she was so proud of herself. Yeah. So 
we were just really honest and they were awesome. And like they picked the right person for us and it, yeah. it really went well. Well, and I think that's where this whole, and that's kind of a nice transition into what I want to talk about is there is a moment of truth as kids get older, especially at which you, you have to make the call of like, we want them to teach. We want to teach them about consent. We want them to right. feel ownership of their own bodies. And at the same time, we've decided not in the case of ear piercing, but in these other scenarios, right. it's not negotiable. This is like really tricky. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know, but I want to have a little bit of a discussion about sure. as kids get older, how can we continue to like really have them know that they are in charge of their own bodies, that they, that this is not being done to them but we got to get yeah. them to the place where they say, yes, draw blood from my arm. It's hard. Yeah, it that is really hard. And I will say, like, for me, the medical stuff, there, I've always been able to draw a pretty clear distinction. And I think maybe partly because I'm so hands off with the other stuff. Now, that that said, we had driven an hour and a half to get Clara's ears pierced. Yes. <laughs> and her friend was there. And my friend, Missy, was there. Sam's mom was mm-hmm. there. And so, like, I didn't say you have to, but I did say, Claire, I think if we leave here and you don't do it, you're going to regret it. Mm -hmm. I really think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at how much it doesn't hurt. I remember the same thing, went through the same thing when I was your age. I really think if I think you'll be happy if you just do this. And at that stage, at that age, it was convinced her that it was time. But it was still her decision. It was still her decision. A year earlier, we were right up to the point we had an appointment and everything. And she bailed at the last minute and I didn't say a thing about it. So um, haircuts. yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No, talk about haircuts. You keep going. Okay. Well, haircuts. My, my kids, since they were probably six or seven, have had almost total autonomy over their hair. Now, mm-hmm. that said, if it's falling in their face, I will make them get some kind of haircut, like something. Like mm-hmm. if, if I can't see their eyes, <laughs> it's time. Or if Clara's like, it's her hair gets really, it's so long right now. It's like down to her butt and it's getting a little raggedy. She really needs a trim. So that part, it's like, this is basic hygiene. You really need to look like your mother takes care of you in some way. Right. We're going to go get a haircut, but it could be, they could, you know, kind of wave the scissors over their head. That, I, yeah. I don't really care what happens. I've always let them choose the haircuts they want. Mm-hmm. If they really are determined to grow their hair out or into some goofy style, I don't care. And I've actually had some pushback from hairstylists who were like, mom, I need you to come over here and approve this. I'm like, no, if they want it, they, that's fine. Like they I can love have that. It. I'm, I, and I'll look at it and go, yep, looks good. But I, I, I stay out of it. And then that way, if their haircut's bad, they can't blame me. But, <laughs> well, but there's also, you know, it's, it, it's like, I think because I give them a lot of control over those things, I don't feel bad about saying, okay, but you're getting a shot today. Okay. So there's so many good things about what you just said. And what I'm hearing is like, you've been able to isolate the, the priority that's yours or like the non-negotiable is that they have good hygiene and that they can see out yeah. of their eyeballs. Right. And right. so they, yes. then they then get to choose the path to achieving right. that goal. And that, then that leaves that sort of ownership with them, respects their boundaries, especially as they're like, you know, growing into their own style. And then I think you can take that right back down to a toddler who has to get an immunization shot or get their teeth cleaned. The non-negotiable is that for the health and safety of your body, this has to happen. How we get there today, you have a lot of choices, little two and a half year old. You get to choose, you know, and then that's where we just pull out all of our tricks from these articles we'll link to and whatever else. But 
You get to choose how we celebrate after with an ice cream cone. You can choose if you want to sit up or lie back. You can choose. I mean, offering those choices in the exam room, in the dentist chair and keep, you know, having them be part of the process. It's not it's like one of those things. It sounds like so straightforward on paper. And then like we were talking about, it all goes to you know what, when you're in there, but it's still helpful to think about. You're not taking away their complete autonomy over their body. You're not undermining all of the lessons about consent that we want our kids to have. Um, But it's, it is tricky. You're, you are drawing a line that says for your health and safety, this needs to be done. Now let's do it in the way that's most respectful to you. And I think that goes from babies to adults. Yeah, totally agree. And I I have one, you know, it doesn't always work out in your favor, I guess. (laughs) Or sometimes there are things where it's like, you kind of have to make that judgment call. And one that I'm thinking of, remember how I I said earlier at the beginning of the episode, how I tend to have this thing where I make things harder for myself because I always have other options in my head. Like there's always another way. There's like always an an option A, but there's B, you know, B, C, D, and E as well. And one of my kids um, takes that to the extremes. Jacob, I'll just mm-hmm. call him out. He's old enough to take <laughs> He's it He's an now. adult. He's an adult. And I kind of like poo-pooed the idea of super early orthodontia because mm-hmm. I, I knew so many kids who had braces at eight and then had to get them again at 12 or 13 because like the first time didn't work or like the everything changed, like the philosophies changed or the first ortho had one approach and the second one had a different approach. So I was like, well, we'll just wait till like 13, 14 and see how, how are things going. Well, by the time I took Jacob in, he had very definite ideas. About oh, interesting. And to the point where it was like, it was actually really kind of embarrassing because he was almost arguing with the orthodontist <laughs> and like kind of had brought his own research and crap. Mm-hmm. And the orthodontist really humored him and, and really like really kind of put up with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then was like, okay, well, I want you to go home and research about this other stuff and then come back in like, you know, three or four months and we'll That's talk about nice. it. Jacob That's, just, yeah. It was very nice. Actually, I was really impressed with the orthodontist, but Jacob's decision in the end was that he didn't want to get braces. And now every time I look at his teeth, I'm like, Jacob, your teeth are so crooked and he's getting older. I mm-hmm. think what's going to happen is he's going to get to the point where he's like 21 and really wants braces mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. He can still have them. Yeah. His teeth will not be perfect. I had braces as an adult. They're not as perfect as they would be had I yeah. gotten them at, you know, eight or 12. Um, but there's worse things in life. And at that point, he and I having the power struggle mm-hmm. over his, by the way, $6,000 yeah. braces yeah. and him not really wanting them, not taking care of them. It was not worth the parenting and like the relationship yeah. trauma yeah. that it would have caused. I didn't, I had to make that decision and it was hard. Yeah. Like it was one of those, like, is this one of those foundational things that yeah. I need to do as a parent? Or one of those things I need to let go of. And that was one where I chose not to. Yeah. I mean, it's, but you, you can't always do that. If it's a shot, it's a shot. Yeah. They need to have the shot. Yeah. So it, there's always a spectrum. No, everything. I think that's, I think that's such a helpful story to hear. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, I want to talk about bribes and bribing real quick. Yeah. It's kind of a funny piece of this, but first of all, you and I are on team bribes for things yes, like we this. We are big fans, but I have a couple, um, thoughts on this. And the the Laura Markham article that we'll link to kind of reminded me of this, but this is always how I've approached it. I don't use a bribe as like, you have to be good for your shot in order to get this toy or treat, or um, you have to be not cry because first of all, I think they can't control that. No, they can't control (laughs) it. And it's okay that like, the only goal is to get through this together. That's the only goal. They don't have to do it perfectly. They don't have to do it without crying or without having real emotions and fear. So I don't think the bribe should be, well, for me, my opinion is I don't think we should be bribing, bribing for perfect behavior or for 
not showing emotion because I think they have to, they have those emotions. We all do when we're going in for something scary. So the bribe is a celebration of having gotten through the ordeal, that period, end of story. I don't use it as something that like, I'm going to now take it away because you didn't, (laughs) because you hit under the table or whatever. Right. Um, Or hold it over as like, yeah, if you, by virtue of the fact that this thing happened, here is something to make you feel a little bit better about it. Yeah. And we really do talk about it as like a celebration, like, yay. Like we, and and adults do that. Yeah, we made it. (laughs) Like that's, we treat ourselves to something when we, We've had to go through something yucky. So that's just a different way to think about bribes. I also have gotten better about bringing bribes with us to the appointment. Like you said, there's no uh, reason why yeah. you can't give a lollipop during a shot or right after. Yeah. Like I'm literally dangling yep. it in front of them. Like, just let her give you a just, shot. I yeah. have your brownie yep. right here. We usually do uh, like treats like food, but I mean, you could do a toy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. If something was a bigger procedure and you were going to have to like, I don't know, multiple appointments or something, I would not be above like looking forward to a Lego set or a toy or something like, you know, this is going to be. Yeah, no, we've definitely done yeah. it. Like a little shopping trip to Target is in yep. order after this and you could pick something under 10 bucks or whatever. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I think bribes is one of those things that like in 80%, 85, 90% of everyday parenting, it's probably not the way to go to get the behavior you want. But there's, then there's like the times when it's worth it. And then this is one of those times and you can call it a celebration instead of a bribe. And that's an argument to make for doing things like that sparingly. Like if your kids are not usually getting a treat in the checkout line or they don't get to go peruse the toy aisle at Target and buy something every time you're at Target, then that's a big deal. Like getting to pick out a little Lego set is a big deal to like a six-year-old who's Lego obsessed, but only gets them on birthdays and Christmas, generally speaking, or whatever the toy is. But that's like a real, that's like a real, um, incentive not for them to be brave or good like you said but yeah just to get through it just to get through <laughs> just it to, like we, we, just we're, to get through it. we're patting ourselves on the back and moms right. you should pour yourself a glass of wine or do something for yourself like when the kids are in bed because you, you also got it. through it <laughs> you also yeah. survived that um uh i have a couple final final thoughts here and that one that i kind of meant to mention earlier but um as kids get older teaching them to ask questions of providers like the Jacob story is a perfect example. He was like the type of kid who had questions and had opinions, but maybe for more reserved kids, I think it's really good to teach them in their regular well visits um, that they can have questions for their doctor. Um, We tend to talk over them. And I think good pediatricians will be, will say right to the kid. Do you have any questions for me about being six or about turning 10? Um, But if the doctor doesn't, I think it's really important to let kids know that they can stop any kind of procedure, a haircut, a teeth cleaning and ask questions. Reed is a big, like he likes to know how things work. So he will ask, we just went to the dentist yesterday or the day before. And he'll say like, what's that for? Or why are you doing that? And um, hopefully those questions are met respectfully. They should be. If you have somebody who's not, that's a bummer. But make sure kids know they can ask questions. Asking questions is a great way to relieve anxiety and to, you know, maybe dispel some of your fears by getting more information. So I think that once they're four or five, you know, from then on, they should they should, I think, be encouraged to ask questions. And it's a good it's a good life skill. I've had kids walk away from their haircut you know, walk away from the stylist with the look on their face. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, how do you feel about your haircut? And they're like, well, I don't know. And then I'll say, well, is there anything that you think that they could do to fix it? Because right now is the yeah. time to ask. Right. Like before we leave, now, yep. right now is the time to ask. And it's totally okay. Like that's what they're here for. And some of my kids will just do that without even, it's just part yeah. of their nature. And other kids kind of have to be. Yeah, they need. Hand, they need yeah. some prodding because they feel awkward about it. Yeah. But then that's, that's being a good consumer yeah. even like, yeah. and you know, that is like the consumer model of healthcare too. Like you are, you are shopping for and paying for your healthcare. So, you know, 
you're, it's your right. It is. To ask and, questions and, and for clarification. And stuff. Yeah, exactly. And it's part of advocating for yourself, which we all want our kids yep. to be able to do. Um, my final thought was just to remember that whatever trauma or anxiety we have about healthcare isn't necessarily shared by the kid and vice versa, whatever trauma or anxiety they're going through, we don't have to absorb all of it. Like this mm -hmm. is one of those where it's all so tied together. And sometimes it just, you have to take a minute and think, okay, that was traumatic for them, but I, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Or like I'm carrying a lot of trauma from whatever I experienced growing up and they might actually be totally fine and not, not feeling all of that. So. Right. Know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And we, uh, parenting is such a um, symbiotic thing and mm -hmm. it's so easy for us to pass our, our anxiety to them or to, unnaturally absorb it just mm -hmm. like we've talked about with kids being sad like just yeah because they're sad doesn't mean we have to be sad exactly we can be happy when our kids are sad yes and we can be cheery and confident when they're scared yeah like that's okay too yep totally. probably better because they'll absorb that from us yep totally yeah all right well this was good i would love to hear you guys' thoughts you can email us as always hello at the momhour.com and then a couple things before we wrap up first i picked a cue it up that's the episode we recommend you listen to next from the archives and i actually picked a little series um, and it's the things we shouldn't have freaked out about series. We did this quite a bit, Megan, and then we stopped. And I would really like to do some more. We just need to think of what they would be on. So it's things we yeah. shouldn't have freaked out about. New mom edition. There's a toddler edition. There's a starting school edition. And there's a breastfeeding edition. Um, I'll link them all up at themomhour.com in the show notes. But if you want right now, it's episode 19, 24, 62, and 114. <laughs> All of them. All of them. Um, and those are really, those are a fun series. And then don't forget about Sport Coops. You can download it from the iOS App Store or Google Play. And if your kids aren't sports aged yet, tell your friends about it so you can download Sport Coops. It's a great app from one of our sponsors. And then stick around, Megan, because we're going to hear Clara's little voice, right? I can't wait. It's so sweet. Oh my sweet. gosh, it's so cute. All right. Well, without further ado, here's Clara. Here she goes. my doctor one okay when i was a baby i was too scared to go to the doctor but my mom cued me up but then when i was about to get a shot i ran under the chair really fast and i crawled under there but then my mom pulled me out and then she cured me up but then I just, and then I just walked back in, but then when I got my Charlotte hood, but then, then, it was time to check my heart, and then she put it, a bandage on me, and I checked it good, so he just checked it how I was. <laughs> I was 40 percent. So I was really hot. And then, then, and then I said, but then later I was all better. But then, and then, and then, and then. Was the, that a great song? It was great. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. 
Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. 